What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. I just love a good story of transformation, and this week's guest definitely delivers. I've known Kathy Robinson, the founder of Athena Wellness, for a couple of years now. And Kathy had a very successful career as a corporate executive in a large organization. But as she approached midlife, she started feeling like there's got to be something more what's next? She'd proven that she can be successful in the corporate world, but now she was ready for her next challenge. Enter well-being. Kathy is now the founder of Athena Wellness and also a published author. And in today's interview, we're going to talk about her journey, that point of transformation, that moment where she knew that she needed to do something else and had absolutely no idea what to do next. I'm sure you can relate to that. I know I absolutely can. This week's interview is going to be so inspiring for those of you who are ready to make a change in your life or who have ever felt like, you know, maybe do you know enough to do this? Are you at a point in your life you can still do this? Can you start something new at midlife? All of those fears that we have that come up around making a big change, Kathy confronted them head on, and I'm really proud of her and what she's created. It's such an inspiring story. So as always, you can get all the links to everything that we're going to talk about in this interview on our website at wellpreneur.com. So now let's jump over into this interview with Kathy Robinson, the founder of Athena Wellness. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. So I've been really excited to have you on because over the past, what, two years, you've had such a remarkable transformation in your life and your your personal life and your professional life and just how you are. Um, and I think that's going to be really inspiring to people out there. So um, yeah, so I'm excited to dig into that with you. Um, to get started, can you tell us what is it that you do now? How do you describe your business? Sure. Uh, I'm an author a wellness coach, a writing meditation teacher, and the founder of Athena Wellness. And that's a company that focuses on optimizing women's wellness at midlife. Prior to that, I spent 18 years on Wall Street at the start of my career. And the last 15 years of my corporate career uh, that I left in 2019 was for Fortune 250. And half of that time was as its chief audit executive and its chief risk officer. Mm. So that's a pretty dramatic career change, <laughs> to put it lightly, right? To go from really corporate executive, intense, very, I'd imagine, like, yeah, pretty masculine corporate environment to switch to wellness entrepreneur and with all this freedom, right? <laughs> yeah, um, it has been, um, you know, it's been quite a journey. And I... The way this whole thing started was when I, I think when I turned 50, you know, it's it's quite a, an impactful uh, birthday. And for me, it wasn't a bad one. It was really a good one. It was it was a time when I was giving myself permission to think about what's next. 
and uh, and to think beyond what I had been doing. And um, I asked myself a question that I never had before, which is, how do you want to spend your time? Like, if we're preparing for the second act, how do you want to spend your time? And it really gave me pause. It wasn't something that I could just answer or journal about. I really had to hold that question. And the answer was in what I was reading. I was doing tons of traveling for work, and I always had, you know, something that I was reading. And when I looked on my bookshelf and through my iPad, it was like, gee, Everything is about healthy eating and endurance sports and weight training. So a lot of that stuff, but also creativity and writing and spirituality, simplicity, meditation, like the opposite of my corporate life, being in nature, which was not my antiseptic environment. And this all fell under the umbrella of wellness, of what I would consider living a good life. And so while I was working, I studied to become a certified wellness coach. I didn't even know such a profession existed. And I created Athena Wellness. And in my last year of corporate, which was 2019, I started blogging and writing a book called The Athena Principles, Simple Wellness Practices for Overworked Professionals. And my current business portfolio now, as I reflect on it, is really about holding the kind of safe space I wish I had when I was going through this transformation, that ability to be able to connect to my own inner wisdom. And so now my portfolio includes things, not only the blog and the book and the coaching, uh, but also an online writing and meditation circles to help deepen that wellness journey. And my big project for 2021 is going to be launching the Athena Wellness Podcast because that has been, that was really my source when I was on the go and on the run. Those were my permission to pause and to think about how life could be when it wasn't what was right in front of me. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I didn't know you were going to start a podcast. And that's that's fabulous because it was the same for me. I used to listen on the train, on my commute to work and on my lunch breaks. And it was like, yeah, it was that way to step into that other life and immerse yourself in it. Um, so that's awesome. I can't wait. You'll have to come back or, you know, let us all know when your podcast comes out and we can share it yes, with the audience absolutely. for sure. So. Okay, so if we go back to before you even trained as a wellness coach, so you were feeling like, I thought it was really interesting that you said you first wanted to ask yourself, what do I want to do? And that question alone was a bit strange because up until then, I guess, how had you been making decisions not based on what you wanted to do? Oh, it was with the head. It had nothing to do with the heart. <laughs> it was it was what's the next thing? It was all execution. You know, my mantra in corporate was when someone said I need this done, my answer was always consider it done, done. Um, so this is a very different place when you have to drop in and it's very unfamiliar and it can be completely terrifying. <laughs> so when you're not used to being that way. Mm -hmm. So when you saw that connection and said, oh, I, I'm really interested in all of this, these things under the topic of well-being. What thoughts went through your head? Did you, I don't know, I can just imagine you might have a reaction like, you can't make a career out of that or like, that'll never work. I don't, did you have any thoughts like that? Or yeah. Yeah. So I, I think really the, when I, if, if I have to go back to a moment, I go back to, I said my 50th birthday, right? So in November of 2014, so this is six years ago. Um, my best friend lives in Seattle. And so I rented this little seaside cottage on Whidbey Island, which isn't too far from where she lives because she's a writer. And uh, I said, let's have a writing retreat. Uh, and so I go out to the, to the to West coast and we spent our days, you know, catching up and just having lazy mornings. And she is really intentional in creating space, like this beautiful space. And so on the coffee table of this house, 
we created this, you can call it intention space, an altar, but there was like fresh flowers and just all these things to envision a new life, whatever that might be. Um, and she brought this magazine called Mabel Magazine and the tagline was called Making a Living, Creating a Life. And she put it on the altar and I picked this up and it had such a gorgeous feel. And I spent those five days, like I couldn't get enough of this magazine. I read all the bios of these women, like I was so inspired. And the question that I had then, this preceded the one of how I wanted to spend my time was, what would it be like to live like the women who were featured in this magazine? Like, what would that even be like? Not, never mind, could I make a living, but what would that be like? And then over time, that shifted to, well, how do you want to spend your time? But unbeknownst to me, a subtle chain reaction of events were unfolding behind the scenes. So fast forward to May 2019, my retirement was just announced and I'm attending this small writing retreat in New Jersey. And there were two leaders of this writing retreat. One was named Lori, the other was Maya. Lori actually became very instrumental in being a sounding board for me for the book, for designing the writing exercises and also helping me get my writing circles online. And Maya, who was a beautiful poet, um, had just released a book, and I really liked the design. I was looking for a designer at the time. In addition, Maya's wife, Amy, uh, who I met at this May retreat, is also an artist and editor, and she winds up proofreading my book. So the significance of all of this is, before I hired this designer, I did some research into her background and was dumbfounded to see that this woman was the co-founder of Mabel Magazine. And when I pulled my magazine off of the bookshelf, I still had it six years later. Lori, Maya, Amy were all contributors. I was looking at their bio six years prior saying, what would it be like to live like these women? And now, not only are these folks my friends and part of my community, um, but Mabel, issue number five, it w went on hiatus for about five years, and it's going to be released this month. And um, Liz created not only my book, but created the, the cover design for this. And my hand, it's a, it's a collage of women's hands. My hand is actually on the cover of this magazine. And so, you know, like you talk about alchemy in action, this is some serious alchemy in action. And it came from listening and moving forward in faith and not having any expectation. It was just that next step. And so I would say it took the six years to be able to travel from the head, making decisions to the heart, feeling the way. And that's not something that happens overnight, but there's so much support there that you may not even know was my takeaway of like, wow, what's happening right now that I don't know. Oh, it's magic, isn't it? It's just it's miraculous to me that this these things happen over and over again. And it's really, you know, whether you believe in manifestation or not, it's like that idea of you just have the vision and you need to decide where you want to go. And you don't know how long it's going to take. But things just unfold like magical things like that just seem to happen when you get clear on where you want to go. It's really it's incredible. Yeah. And I think what happens, too, is you learn to trust yourself that the next time where it feels like things aren't happening, that it's just let the cycle work its way through and keep showing up. Like that's your job. Just keep showing up as best you can day after day. So let's talk about that long journey from 
just being totally intellectual in your head, like execution, to being more heart-centered and in tune with your intuition, your inner wisdom. What are some of the practices or mindset shifts? How did you make that transition? Because that's that's just a different way of being in the world. It's huge. Absolutely. And, you know, I think for me, and it may be different for others, but I look at, I look at wellness as this through this, this lens of a holistic spectrum. So there's the things that you think about that make up your vitality, you know, your movement and and what you eat. And then there's this sense of flow, like what we're talking about, right? How do you, how do you get in flow, energetic flow? And then lastly, it's connection, whether it's spiritual connection or, or relationship connection. And when I look back on my journey, it didn't just start at 50. There were things happening in my thirties and forties that I look back now and say, wow, if it wasn't for that, I would never be in the position that I am right now. And so in the book, I outline these three wellness turning points that starts with one in my mid thirties, which you would expect, right? It was being overstressed and uh, out of shape and really getting my eating and my, and my exercise program in line. That gave me the ability to get to that next turning point, which was more about flow and simplifying and purpose. And it's when I left Wall Street, I was in the middle of Alaska and quieted down finally enough for me to hear those little whispers of, you know, something is off. Like you're ignoring the emotional and creative parts of your life and you want to be a writer. You say you want to be a writer. So you've got to make some changes here. And those first two uh, turning points were much more visible to people. You know, my, my body changed on the first one and my career changed on the second one. The third one, which was in my mid-40s that set all of this up, was the first time I ever went out to Whidbey on a writing retreat. And this was deep connection with, you can call it spirit, you can call it yourself, but it was the first time that because I was so far out of my comfort zone at this writing retreat where not only did I have to write, but I had to read and get feedback the first time ever, I was able to see myself as a writer and the life that I wanted to lead. Although I couldn't describe it, I could feel it. And I also got very clear, a very clear message that you need to live and you need to write and you need to love from a different place in physical place in your body. And although I didn't know how to do it, I got the importance of that message. And as a result, that was probably the biggest change, but it was the least visible. I came back from that trip. People were like, how was your vacation? And they had no idea that all of the pieces got re, you know, just got rearranged. And what I didn't know is that in the 10 years from that point, everything that I knew in life was going to fall away, whether it was relationship or whether it was whether it was what I was doing for a living, because I was becoming a very different person. So I think and I, I fell victim to this as well, that we think that we have to find our purpose, that we're just going to go and be able to see, oh, this is it. It's clear where it's it's more of a becoming the person who could do the work that you want to do. And then those other things come into place. It's actually reverse engineering in some ways. Um, and it's difficult to understand that because you don't see that. You see people on the outside when they have already made it. And it's like, God, I want to do that. How can I do that? It's like, it's a, it's a long inner journey, but it's also, um, for me, like the only way that you can get there is by making your own path. Someone can't point to something and say, this is the way to go. You've got to be able to make your own path. 
Mm-hmm. And I always think you don't necessarily know all the 20 or 100 steps between where you are now and where you're going, but you know where you're going and you just take the next step in that direction and then look around and then take the next step. And you might, you know, you're kind of weaving back and forth because you can't possibly, you could never have predicted all these steps that would take you from where you were to where you are, but you just keep taking that step forward to that next step. Yeah. And I would even say I had no idea where I was going. I knew I was traveling on a path. And I think when and I say, you know, there were things that I was very uncomfortable with early on. Part of it was not knowing because my job for 33 years was knowing, was knowing, was reporting, was looking at on the horizon for a company and saying, these are the things that can trip you up. This is what we need to do to prevent that of always having the answer. And now suddenly I'm in a place where I have no idea. And I have to be totally okay with that and trust, Mm. trust my own instincts and trust my own creativity that you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You just, to your point, you just take the next step. But I wish I could say I had a clear vision of where I was going, but I didn't. And I think that's what made me so uncomfortable, but it didn't stop me. I'm curious um, about the idea of embodiment and stepping into this new role. Because one thing that I see with a lot of people making big career changes like this is that it can take a while to become the wellness coach, the wellness expert, the, you know, business owner, the founder, whatever it is, stepping into that next role, however you define it. Did you, how was that for you? Did you feel uncomfortable at all doing that? Um, Yeah. How was that? Incredibly uncomfortable (laughs) because I had the cover of a big company and a title and, you know, the power of the board of directors for me to do my work. And suddenly Nobody knows me. Certainly no one knows me as uh, a wellness person. And I think the, you know, there were a couple of things. One was by staying in corporate, I was able to be what I call being my own patron, right? I gave myself the time and I was able to save money as I was figuring it out. So it wasn't the, I can't imagine if I would have just said I'm done and I'm walking away and had to figure this out on the fly, I think I would have been in complete panic. So I think and I don't know what it was that gave me that, you know, that that wisdom to say, you know, just stay put and and see this through because there's tension, right? When you're changing, you're becoming another person and the people in your daily life are seeing you as the old person because that was the reliable person that could get something done. And there is this really strange tension of wanting to be seen as something else, but you're not there yet. And I think that if there was anything that was pulling me forward, It was using that tension creatively to say, okay, there's a bigger picture here. And if you don't want to feel this way anymore, what's the next step? And that's what got me up at, you know, quarter to four in the morning to write the book before I had to work out and go to work for, for that year was that feeling of like, if you want, if you don't want to feel like this anymore, it's up to you to get to, to do something else. But that said, you know, not knowing what my passion was, it it was, I worried less about finding purpose and began living with purpose. And that was just doing things that were bringing me joy. That made me feel like that magazine, when I flipped through those pages, made me feel, well, what are those things that I can begin to do? I think that helped with the shift. Also, the biggest surprise that I had was realizing and discovering the parallels between what I did in my corporate career and what I do as a coach, because I really struggled with, why would people want to come to me you know, I was 33 years in, in corporate. Why would they come to me as a, as a wellness coach? And I realized that I had been keeping companies well 
for all of those years, I was just shifting the lens to personal assessments. And that gave me a lot of confidence to say, I know how to do this. I have a methodology. And that's actually why I wrote the book. Let me codify why I feel better in my 50s than I did in my 30s. Let me get that down. And that gave me at least a platform. And I will tell you, you know, you said wellness expert. The first time I was introduced on a podcast, the the host did a live intro and read this glowing, like, here's Kathy. And he had this wonderful Australian accent. And he's like, Kathy Robinson, our wellness expert. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, two things. One was, oh my God, he's talking about me. And the second one was, you actually did it. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, to have that reflected back. And then there was that pressure of like, okay, now you've got to step into this and say something useful. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a long time coming, but I think by building that foundation, that becomes whenever, whenever that foundation is built, when the opportunities arise now, I'm prepared. So I think it felt like it was, it was a lot of long, hard work that nobody can see. Like you can't see the foundation of a house that's being built because it's all underground. I feel really good about the foundation of this business. And I know as a result that I'll be here um, for a long time. So can you talk about some of the big mindset shifts that it took um, to shift from, because just simply shifting from employee to entrepreneur is huge mindset shift. Um, and, and there's a lot of others that go along with that. So I don't know, are there a couple that stand out for you or one that, that was a big transformation? Yeah, I think, I think there were a couple of things. One is, you know, shifting from head to heart, you know, with too much logic can be inertia, too much emotion or intuition can result in being impulsive. And so I think it took a while to find that sweet spot in the middle of, and it's trial and error, right? Um, and the more that I was able to do that, uh, I was able to find a way to let my heart take the lead of like, does this feel good? Even when business started to come in, if it didn't feel right, I really sat with that and said, okay, I don't know what the answer is, but something feels off a little bit. I think using your heart to take the lead, but your head for discipline and discernment was something that I really needed to practice and still do, right? So there's always kind of that balance. I think the other thing was having a dedicated place to dream and dream big while doing the things like, you know, when you start a business, it is not, in fact, I used to sit in my kitchen some days and call my, my admin back in my corporate life was named Grace. And, you know, when something needed to be done, I'd be, I'd go, Grace, <laughs> and there's nobody here, right? It's like, nope, kid, this one's on you. So, you know, I think that discernment also gave me the ability to say, what is it that I can do that's going to be impactful versus getting inundated but all by all the things that I could do. And that took a, a while. That first year, there was a lot of excitement of, I can do all of these things. What is really going to make an impact? What do I want to do? And what is going to move me to the place and, and be of service to the people that I want to connect with? And so I think that took some time as well. And there, there's no, you know, formula. It, this is just something that I think just you show up every day. And I, I was also very mindful of my morning, my own morning practices. I try to, there, I, there's a quote in my office that says the life you live is the lesson you teach. And I really try to embody that. And so I would get up in the mornings and I still do of 
what is this day bringing? And and I think probably one of my happiest memories of this year, and as, as we all know, it's been an interesting year, um, we have our first long weekend in the States is Memorial Day, which is the beginning of summer. And I woke up on the Tuesday after the long Memorial Day weekend, and I was so excited to get back to work. Mm. And I was like, wow, that never happened in my corporate career. You're like, oh, I don't want, you know, I don't want to come back from the beach. I want one more day. And this was like, yay, it's Tuesday. What is this week going to bring? Mm -hmm. So it's those little moments that I know that, okay, I may not be able to articulate it well, but this is working for me. Let's just keep going. So on the practical side, I mean, what a year to start a business, 2020, right? (laughs) And to be trying to grow your business with obviously the pandemic and not much ability to do anything in person. So I'm just curious, what are some of the things for other people out there starting, just starting their businesses, what are some of the things that you did practically this year to get it going when you couldn't really meet people in person? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, when March came around and we went into lockdown, I was waiting for the freak out panic to come and it never did. And, you know, it it, it made me think that, it's going to be okay, whatever it is. Like I'm not panicking, so this is this is something that's good. But to answer your question practically, um, for the first until May, I had a plan from the time I retired, which was November of 2019, until what was going to be April. My book was delayed two weeks because of the pandemic, which was pretty good. Um, but I had a six month plan to get the designer, to get it proofread, to get it out to beta readers. So I literally had a day by day plan for six months. So. I didn't even realize what I was dealing with until I until the book was published, and that was in May. What changed was my plan was to go on a book tour. I was going to book myself at bookstores and community centers and, you know, fill in the blanks places. And I was going to get my camper van and travel across the U.S. with boxes of books and go and do my thing. And that, that wasn't going to happen. And that's when I hired a, a PR person and, and I and I made the switch to to podcasts. So so that was that was a change as far as the business itself. It actually worked in my favor because while I think it would have been difficult to try to launch an online coaching program and an online writing program and an online meditation program, people were flocking to Zoom where I had a Zoom account before and no one knew what that was. Now, like, you know, like your grandmother knows what Zoom is. So it it became very commonplace. So that actually worked in my favor as well. And being in wellness and doing meditation, I was doing free courses um, in the in the springtime, meditation courses, and and the relief and the feedback, and the, I I got to practice, and I was you know doing a service, and I think that there was just this incredible um, you know perfect storm that was forming that seemed to to work well, and I think this kind of learning and connection. I found that you can really connect very deeply on something like Zoom with the right people, if it's curated correctly, if the space is held, if you're intentional. And that was a great learning point that I was very surprised at and certainly relieved and thrilled. Um, But that was a surprise as well. Um, So I'm curious, how have you been getting the word out? I know you said you did podcasts, but like in terms of, I, I feel like you probably don't 
I think you don't do a lot of social media. You can recorrect me if I'm wrong. So yeah, I'm curious how you've been getting the word out and finding new people to bring into your courses and into your world. Yeah, that's a great question. And you're right. Um, And that was one of those things that I had to check in with myself because I have never been big on social media. Um, I'm one of probably a handful of people that don't have a Facebook account. Um, and so how do you actually get the word out where I, where I settled was I was on LinkedIn from a corporate standpoint. So I just changed my LinkedIn profile to, for the business. I do post blogs and articles there. Um, and so that network has been very helpful and not your usual channel, Uh, I have a little bit of a presence on Instagram, um, and that's something that may grow in time. Um, But really, it's been through the podcasts and the networks and the folks that I've learned. I find that if if you really are genuinely helpful to other people, people are incredibly generous back to you. And it's not for that purpose. This is just what I see as I look back. Um, So there have been a number of referrals. Um, Now that there's some light at the end of this pandemic tunnel, I'm getting requests to speak next year. And so that's been very exciting that there'll be, whether it's, and and it's always cast like, we'd love to have you in person, but can you do it, you know, online if you need to? And it's like, sure. So that is starting to come in. But right now it's been through my professional network and the referral network and really the kindness and generosity of the business community that I'm building up. And that's one of the things that I love about being an entrepreneur is that I actually got to build that type of community and it feels so supportive and reciprocal, which has been really lovely. I'm curious, um, what has surprised you about being an entrepreneur or yeah, something that was unexpected or yeah, just stepping into that new role in life? Yeah. Um, when I first started, I, I didn't want, I didn't want to be on my website. I didn't want my picture on my website. (laughs) I, I felt like I was going to be able to create this business without being visible in any way. Again, coming up through this corporate framework where you are, you perform a job. It has less to do with Kathy Robinson and more to do with what I do in that company. Uh, and I'm being a little cold as I describe it. It's not quite that bad, but that's kind of the environment I was used to. I think my surprise is how much I am enjoying becoming more visible and playing that role because it's sort of counter to the way I've conducted myself in my professional life, my adult professional life. And I think that's because what I'm doing now is very much in alignment with who I am. And suddenly I feel for the first time that my life is integrated in a way where I can be, I I call it, um, and this comes back from one of my writing retreats, Holy Kathy, it's W-H-O-L-L-Y. And it, it had to do with the story of Vincent Van Gogh when he when he looked at a painting of one of his uh, mentors and said, his mentor said about one of his paintings, that's Holy Vincent, meaning that is you. And that's the way, that's what I get to bring to my business now. So that was one that I really am embracing this and not just out of duty, but out of pure enjoyment. That's been a, a, a wonderful, a wonderful surprise. 
Well, we're getting to the end of our time together, but um, one thing I always love to ask is if you could go back and give yourself some advice. So if you go back to that, Kathy, who knew that you needed to do something else, but you just couldn't see how it would unfold, like what advice would you give her? Um, don't push the sailboat. And by that, I mean, uh, a friend of mine, when I was just stepping into the entrepreneurial role and I was, you know, lamenting or cure, like, am I going to be able to pull this off kind of a feeling? She said, you know, I, the way I see it is you're on this beautiful sailboat now and you're inviting all these wonderful people to come on board, to join you. And your instinct from all of these years that you spent in corporate is to get out and push the sailboat. Don't push the sailboat. No, you can put up a sail. You can drift. You can drop anchor. You can start the motor. You know, you don't need to push it. So if I had to give myself advice, it would be just relax. And I don't mean just to be able to get to the point that I am in now. When I look back and all of the stress and the effort to try to get it right, to try to be perfect, to never drop the ball, it's like, wow, you know, like I could have dropped the ball a few times and would have been just <laughs> fine. Like that would have been okay. And and I think that that is, that's the advice that I would like, it's going to work out. And when I look back, I, I can go back till probably my adolescent years and I can see like I have always been on this path. This isn't something that I just cooked up. This is something that this has been how my life has been unfolding. And what would it have been like if I just let it unfold rather than felt like I had to make it happen? And I do remind myself when I am conducting business now that it's okay. Like everything is cyclical. That's one thing I learned on Wall Street. Business is cyclical and there's opportunities everywhere. Just relax and see what comes. And when it does, be ready. Mm. Oh, such good advice. I completely connect to that. Just, I think that's what I tell myself to just relax. <laughs> it's happening. Trust it. Trust that it's unfolding when it needs to unfold. Yeah. Oh, Kathy, this has been so, so great. And I think your huge transformation is really inspiring. Um, and I know if I'd heard that back when I was in my corporate job, I would have been really, really inspired by that. So thank you for coming on to share it. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. So can you let us know um, what your website is, how to get in touch with you, where to find your book, all that good stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. The best way to get in touch with me is athenawellness.com. And on there, there's links to the book. Um, there's also a free download of the Athena principles that, uh, that you can take a look at with a, an action plan. So that's probably the best way. And you can contact me uh, there as well. Cool. Thank you so much, Kathy. And definitely let us know when your podcast comes out next year. Shooting for January, but yes, I will let you know. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can find all the links in the show notes at wellpreneur.com. And if we're not yet connected on Instagram, come find us over there. We are at Wellpreneur, of course. And over on Instagram, we're always sharing tips and strategies to grow your wellness business motivation and inspiration, and of course, some behind the scenes glimpses into what happens over here at Wellpreneur. So that's it for me this week. Have a great week and we'll see you back here really soon with the next episode.